Hello, and welcome back to the North Georgia Blue Podcast, produced and distributed by the Fannin County Democratic Party. I'm your host, Meryl Clark, and we're getting into some good trouble today with our special guest, Jeremy Brasile, President and General Manager of America One Progressive Talk Radio. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. We're so happy you're here. Well, thank you for having me on, and I am delighted to be here. It was quite an honor to be with you guys today. Well, we're the ones who are honored, but thank you. Let's let our listeners know a little bit about you. Jeremy grew up in the small rural town of Brilliant, Alabama, a name that is often considered an oxymoron by those that have lived there and later moved away. (laughs) Is that their tagline? That's hilarious. It should be if it's not. (laughs) (laughs) He's the oldest son of blue-collar parents that made their livings in manufacturing plants and were proud union members. Good for them. Jeremy went on to to attend the University of Alabama and moved to Georgia shortly after college. He packed all of his belongings and made the journey east to what would be his home for the next 21 years on September 11th, 2001. 9-11, my goodness. Yes. Just as the attack on the World Trade Center was unfolding. While in college, Jeremy had the opportunity to work part-time at a couple of radio stations in Birmingham and Huntsville, Alabama. Shortly after moving to Atlanta, Jeremy discovered the launch of Air America on a local AM station. He followed along with the Progressive Talk affiliate, often calling into the live shows and speaking with on-air hosts like Randy Rhodes, Tom Hartman, and even Rachel Maddow until that station was sold and the format was flipped back in 2006. Jeremy realized the need for a progressive voice in Atlanta and partnered with the Air America Network to bring the format back to the city as an affiliate on his newly formed streaming internet radio station ZipRadio.com, which launched in 2007 and lasted until the network ceased operations in early 2010. At that time, streaming internet radio was in its infancy and struggled to maintain a presence. With the loss of the network, Jeremy shut down the operation and moved on in broadcasting, including work at WSB Radio, WGST, and later to his ownership of a small over-the-air radio station in West Georgia. Jeremy spent a few years out of radio from 2017 until the early months of 2020, the beginning of the COVID pandemic. While sitting at home during lockdown, Jeremy needed something to get his creative juices flowing again. With a closet full of the necessary equipment to set up an in-home studio and the desperate need for political change in our country, America One Radio was born. Now, two and a half years, two election cycles, and insurrection and a pandemic later, America One Radio continues to grow by leaps and bounds. And full disclosure, I'd also like to mention that our show, the North Georgia Blue Podcast, is also carried on America One Radio. And we are so grateful for that, Jeremy. Thank you. We are glad to have you guys on there. We really are. So why internet streaming versus over the air for America One? It's so interesting because Progressive Talk historically reaches out to a group of listeners that are not going to sit around a crackly AM radio. You know, that's kind of how conservative talk took off. That's how 
Rush Limbaugh and many people that followed him, that's really how they came to success is they took over a dying band on the radio dial and really made it work. Progressives don't get their information that way. And progressives will have their phone in their pocket. They're listening online to their computer as they're working and that kind of thing. And progressives listen to music on demand or listen to content on demand, just like with your podcast. It does very well because people can tune in and listen when they want to hear it. And I think for a progressive talk station, one of the struggles that Air America had and one of the struggles that the local station that carried Air America back in the day is just our listeners not going to listen to a scratchy AM signal. And in a city the size of Atlanta to lease or to buy an FM signal, it's just not operationally feasible to broadcast a progressive signal. As we know, Atlanta is leaning more and more purple, thank goodness, but there's still a lot of conservatives out there that they're not going to listen over the air. So it just doesn't feasibly make sense. So we're able to meet our listeners where they listen to content, where they get their information. And that from this day going forward is going to be on the internet. Yes. And I know that I love to listen to your station on a regular basis. So thank you for that. Have you always been a progressive uh, left-wing liberal or is this something, because growing up in Alabama as a progressive, I cannot even begin to imagine what that was like for you. So how did that come about? Well, it's interesting. The Democrat Party changed significantly in the seventies and my grandparents were Democrats. They were blue-collar factory workers. They were very firm believers in the union. And that passed on to my parents. Over the years, as things moved forward, they just, like everybody else, fell into that conservative clique and what has solidified a conservative base there in Alabama. I, on the other hand, have probably always been a little bit of a rebellion. I've always been that person to be a little bit different. But you know, I'm different because I believe in doing what's right by people. I don't want that to sound cliche because we can all sit here and say, we want to be good people. We want to do what's right. But to my core, that's the way I was raised. And I believe that there are so many things that the Democratic Party stands for. And I believe that there's so many fights that progressives go out every day and fight to do the right thing by people. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, just like the whole insulin thing that just was passed and went into effect at the beginning of the year. Who can't benefit from a $35 cap on insulin, especially for our seniors and our retirees? Right. I've always stood up for the values that the progressives and the liberals stand for, and it fits my lifestyle and it's where I want to be. I couldn't imagine crossing the aisle. My family, on the other hand, are very staunch Republicans as the Democratic Party shifted to be more conservative. And then to being Republicans, my family went along with that. And you know, we've had some very spirited debates and very spirited conversations around it. I'm sure, but hopefully your family accepts you for who you are and loves you regardless, because that doesn't always happen. That's very true. My dad always referred to me as his son, the damned old Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> I try to educate them when I can. As I've said before, to me, it's all about educating people and making them aware. There's a lot of people that, as we know, and that's not only true in Alabama, but true all across the country. People hear what they hear on television or social media, and they believe it. They don't do their own research. They don't do their own digging to find the truth. And I think that people are so misguided by that. My parents were wonderful people, but it goes back to God and babies. And that's about it. And if you ask them, if we drill it down, 
what makes you follow the Republican mindset. And, you know, it goes back to abortion and it goes back to church and the Bible and God. And it's so sad that we have convoluted the message that freedom of religion doesn't mean that your religion is supposed to be imposed on us. And it's really interesting. I've done all I can to do to educate them. Hopefully some of it has sunk in. My mother will listen to what I have to say and not run me out of the house, but I try to educate them where I can. But they love me anyway, though. (laughs) Oh, yes, of course. Who wouldn't? You know, we're in a rural area. And what you're saying really resonates because we're 80% red and 20, maybe 22% blue. So any ideas that you have for us to talk to our Republican brethren would be greatly appreciated. Well, one of the things that has really resonated with me is Democrats have to work on their messaging. Mm -hmm. I think we have a very good message But we leave too much out there for the Republicans to take and twist and confuse people with. I think we have to very clearly change our message to speak what our policies stand for. And, you know, just an example on that, looking at the whole defund the police. If you look back on it, yes, there's a lot of reform that needs to happen within our police departments and the people that are protecting us. But I don't think any of us want them to just completely go away. There's definitely a need for it. But I think if we change that messaging, basically saying that we're trying to reinforce our police department, we're trying to optimize our men and women in blue and make them stronger. I think if we change how we deliver that message, it really takes away the ability to twist that message as to how we really intend it to mean. I've listened to countless people talk about the things that need to happen within our police departments. And I wholeheartedly support a majority of the things that they want to do, but they fail to deliver that message to the general public. And they leave so much opportunity there for that message to be mixed up or misconstrued. Even gun control, and this kind of resonates with living in a rural area. I grew up in a very rural area and those people are not giving up their guns. And I see how the gun lobby can easily take that message and completely twist it. I think if we go back to talking about gun education and gun safety, it really changes the narrative. I have no problem if they're taking some guns away. I think there's several of them that need to go away. Well, assault weapons, certainly. Absolutely. But I think it's all in the messaging and how we deliver that, that, hey, it's not even necessarily I'm trying to take your gun, but I'd like to educate you on how to store that gun, how to use that gun how to keep that gun in an area where there's going to be small children or people that might have suicidal thoughts and things like that. I think it's just working on that message. And I think if the Democrats can come together and find some common ground there to get a good, solid message, I think there's no reason that we can't start getting more blue people elected in Georgia. Sure. If we can communicate those kitchen table issues and issues that are important to rural voters, meet them where they are, not where we are, correct? Exactly. And there's an old saying that Republicans speak in bullet points and Democrats speak in paragraphs. Right. And that's probably a part of the issue as well. It's always been an issue for Democrats, right? Our messaging, because our brains are just wired differently than conservative brains. Well, I can understand where the paragraphs come from. Like, I want to know all the information I can get. But a lot of people just want to know the bullet points and the Republicans can 
summarize their message in a quick bullet point that sticks and that resonates. Right. And we have a hard time because we want to give all the information, which there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a lot of people that feel like there's too much to be read into that. And I think they run from it. What are your thoughts on, and I know we're veering away from America One, and I apologize for that, but what are your thoughts on the recent elections? And there was no Democrat that won a single statewide office. What are your thoughts on that? Why do you suppose that is? Looking at our candidates, I felt like we had some wonderful candidates running this time. Well, let me give an example. Looking at the Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock race, Mm -hmm. I was absolutely blown away that that race was as close as what it was. It was disturbing to say the least. It was disturbing because when I look at Herschel Walker, he is absolutely unqualified, unfit for this position. And The fact that we would get within just a handful of percentage points, it's disturbing. And I think that going back to the messaging, I think that we could have made a few candidate choices a little better. I think if we are really working through our base and really working through the pool of Democrats that are being vetted for these positions, I think we can't leave anything on the table and we can't leave room to play. We've got to put the best possible people up there. And I think we've got to get people that are able to connect with the people where they are. A politician that's running in a congressional district in Atlanta may be able to relate to their people very differently than somebody that's in a very rural South Georgia area. Mm -hmm. And I think we do need to continue to fine tune the candidates that we put there. I think we had some amazing candidates, you know, Marcus Flowers, for example, in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. I'll be honest, I had no doubt that Marjorie was probably going to get reelected there. Right. And Marcus is a great candidate. I was just baffled that he didn't score better in that area. So I think it's just a matter of figuring out our candidates, even digging a little deeper and getting the cream of the crop up there and ready to go. You know, looking at Stacey Abrams, Absolutely love Stacey Abrams. I really want to see her go far in her career as a politician because I think she brings a lot to the table and I'm very excited about her as a candidate and anything she runs with. I do feel that she often felt a little tired, which I know she was running from place to place to place, but I do think there were lots of opportunities left on the table. Looking back at it in hindsight, I think there were opportunities left on the table where she could have connected with people that she didn't reach out to as deeply as she should. Well, she did spend a lot of time in rural areas, though. I do want to throw that out. She came up here, actually did our podcast in person. Yes. And she's definitely qualified. And I will say that I do believe our Democratic candidates were all qualified to be in their positions. So once again, I do believe it comes back to messaging, which is oftentimes the problem in communicating with rural voters, which, of course, you are more than familiar with your experience growing up. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, how has the pandemic changed how we listen to radio and how we get our information? How did the pandemic turn radio on its head and in particular, internet radio? You know, with the pandemic, it shifted the way we do everything. I think the pandemic affected some little portion of our lives in every way we turn. For example, what I do in my full-time job, I work in orthodontics. And our doctors five years ago would never think about doing virtual appointments for one of our patients. But when the pandemic hit, we had to figure out different ways to do things. We had to figure out new ways to get information to patients. We had patients that were in treatment that we couldn't just hit the pause button, but 
it was kind of dangerous to bring those patients in because we're working in their mouths and we had to figure out new ways to do things. We had tons of technology options sitting on the shelves. We just never ventured out to use them. And this forced us to use things that we never thought we would ever use. And I think a lot of that applies to radio. People were sitting in their cars for an hour a day driving to work, especially down here in Metro Atlanta, driving to work, you're sitting there in the car and you're listening to the over the air radio. Probably fewer people thought about tuning in to radio online. And I think it opened the door to other options of things because we're sitting at home in our pajamas looking for content and we're tired of listening to the radio. The downside though is there's a lot of content online. And when we're just wanting to sit on the couch and just do something mindless, we open up social media, Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And I think we end up finding a lot of misinformation, but there's a lot of really good positive information and informative information online as well. And I think it has opened the door for lots of different opportunities. There's tons of podcasts that have come online after the pandemic or during the pandemic. A lot of people like myself that just needed a creative outlet or we're just tired of sitting home watching TV and working on a computer from home. We're looking for opportunities to do things differently. And I think that it gave a lot of content creators the option to get online. And now they have an audience that's sitting there waiting on them. So open a lot of doors, I think. So what's the mission of America One Radio? What is your mission and what are your long-term plans for the station? The mission has always been to educate people and to be a place that we can provide good information from a progressive perspective. Our Atlanta airwaves are full of conservative thoughts and ideas. And I think there's a huge need for the progressive perspective. As I mentioned, there's a lot of bad information out there. And I wanted to create something that we can give things from a progressive perspective that is right and that is fair, and that is informative. Somebody laughed at me and told me that you're never going to make any money on progressive radio. And for me, you know, it's not about the money. I mean, I would love to make money off of what I'm doing. None of us like just working for free. But at the same time, I do feel like I have a commitment to being able to bring some truth and a grounding point for progressives. And if nothing else, to me, it's valuable just to be able to educate people. I have to live among the people, so I want to educate them. So they make wise choices. I think that's the overall mission there. We want to get a platform out to people, a platform in front of people where they can meet their candidates. We can bring candidates together. We can do debates. We can introduce candidates. And we're not here to spend this and make a lot of headlines out of what we're reporting. We just want to give honest and fair information and be able to educate people to know the most that we can put out there. Right. But you're obviously, and so are we, catering to the progressive yes. liberal demographics. So how do we get those folks who don't understand where we're coming from? How do we get those folks to listen? Well, I think there's going to be people that will just never listen to America One. And I would love to be able to convert everybody to listeners, but I think there's going to be some people that are dead set on not listening. But if we are able to put some content out there, whether it be through our social media channels or whether it be over the air or through one of our podcasts, or if we're able to direct somebody to say the North Georgia Blue podcast, where they may be able to find that information, at least the information is out there. If they happen to be in a business and America One is playing and they hear something that might spike an interest, maybe they'll do a little more digging and they will find the right information out for whatever it is they've heard. 
versus hearing the wrong side of something or or hearing misinformation. There's going to be people that may never tune in and I may never convince them to listen to me. But if I can put a nugget of information out there that will cause somebody to do a little more digging, do a little more research to find out more, I feel like I've accomplished something by that. And that's all I can hope for. I just hope to plant some seeds that will grow and lead people in the right direction. And hopefully there's going to be some folks out there that's coming along. I was starved for knowledge when I was a 19, 20-year-old first-time voter, and I was looking for information. And hopefully there'll be more that will discover us along the way and do a little more digging and get into some good trouble. Oh, yes, absolutely. We're big believers in that. Yes. So what are your long-term plans for America One Radio? It's interesting. We are actually working on a few behind-the-scenes things that we want to be able to announce within the first couple of months of 2023. And part of that is we are working with some other content creators to create some new content for the station that is a little more lifestyle driven. We definitely like to get out and support our business owners that are business owners and progressives. They fuel a lot of money into the economy. They provide great services to our economy. And we like to shed a little bit of light on their businesses. So we hope to be able to do some more lifestyle features that will be able to drive people to progressive businesses. We laugh about it, but The 2024 election cycle is just a few months away. And that was going to be my next question. So go ahead. (laughs) We are right around the corner from 2024. I think it's already started the election cycle. There's no break anymore. And we're not even recovered from 2022. Or 2020 for that matter. (laughs) You're exactly right. I think that long-term plans though, we really want to create a platform that As candidates are coming on and announcing their candidacy, we want to be there with a microphone to get them on the air. We did a lot of that in 2022, but we really want to amp that up. As you said, we mainly appeal to a progressive audience, but the progressives need to know what candidates they have to choose from and what they stand for. And they're not going to get that coverage on a conservative media outlet. And we want to be able to provide that so the candidates can come on and talk about what they stand for and what they want to be. And we also plan to get out in the field. I was speaking with Ron Roberts, who is one of our new show hosts. He has a show every afternoon. The Ron Show. Yes. Yes. I've spoken to him on Instagram. He's a great guy. Great guy. And he's very educated and a diehard progressive from here in Georgia. He has Georgia ties. And I was speaking with him and we were kind of talking about some things we want to do. And he's like, man, I want to get out to every one of these progressive events that we can get to in 2023 and 2024. He goes, I really want to get out there and shake some hands and get to know people, let them know that we're on the air and let them know that we're a great place to come and get your information and and to listen. And the only way they can trust us is they see our faces and put our names and faces together. And I said, you know what? I don't think I could have said that better myself. We really have to be out there. So we are collectively putting together some events that we really want to get involved with and attend. So as you're out this year and next year in some of the progressive events, and even with some of the local parties, we definitely want to get involved and help promote them and do all we can to help them get their message out. And we so appreciate you. So at the time of this recording, Kevin McCarthy has just lost, I believe, the ninth or 10th vote to become Speaker of the House. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on what's going on with the U.S. House at this point? Well, I'll try to keep this family friendly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. We are rated PG. Yes, it is quite a show. But I do think it is a true testament to 
what Donald Trump has done to the party. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you elect a television star, basically, to the presidency, you get what goes along with it. And there's just been so much wrong. And I think this just continues to go down the path of how misguided and how offbeat the Republican Party is and continues to grow. I think it only makes the progressives look stronger and more united. I saw a meme on social media where somebody posted that Nancy Pelosi is probably enjoying this because we've all had that dream of leaving our job and hoping it just falls apart when we walk away. (laughs) Certainly as for the Republicans, yes. Yes, she's living that dream right now. And and I just laughed. I think it was laying in bed last night when I saw, I was flipping through social media and I saw that and I laughed to myself because it's spot on. But you know, you think about Nancy Pelosi, some people loved her and some people didn't love her as much, but she was the right person at the right place at the right time because she wrangled Donald Trump like nobody's business. And there's things I would love to have seen her do better, but if nothing else, she could get under his skin and that made my day. So <laughs> She is fearless. Let me tell you. Yes. The first female speaker of the House of Representatives. I mean, it's just such a joy to watch her work. I agree. And she could be very direct when she needed to be. She could be very caring and compassionate when she needed to be. Mm -hmm. And she was just on point. Right. She was very professional and she knew when to be what she needed to be and when she needed to be it, I guess is the best way to describe her. And, you know, I hate to see her go, but I do support her decision stepping aside because there comes a time when we do need to groom that next group of people that's going to come into power. And I think this is a great time to begin that process. Your thoughts on Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader of the House? I think it was a step in the right direction. I was glad to see him in that role. I think there's other good candidates that I think we could put there, but I was very pleased to see him step there. I have no complaints with that decision. So I'd love to see him be the Speaker of the House, but Minority Leader will work with what we can. Sure. And the Republicans have an extremely slim majority. So hopefully the establishment Republicans have learned their lesson, although I doubt it, that embracing the far right fringe has come back to bite them, right? We always say history repeats itself and we learn from history. I don't know that they believe that applies to them. Well, like many things, I don't think they believe it applies to them, but they just don't. And I'm so baffled by that. (laughs) I am too. It's over my pay grade (laughs) as far as I can tell, because I have no idea why the establishment and moderate Republicans aren't stepping up and taking their party back. I mean, the fact that they've allowed this to happen, it's karma as far as I'm concerned. It really is. And you know, if you're looking back on the whole thing, I mean, from Donald Trump on. It's just been a constant debacle. And there have been so many opportunities for people to wrangle things back in and take control. But they're so afraid of him because I believe they think if he gets back into power and they have booked against him, he's going to make it a living hell for them. And I honestly believe that may be the reason some Republicans just won't make that decision to do the right thing and stand up against him. Um, The Republican Party could shut him down, and they've just not made the decision to do it. It's baffling to me. But if nothing else, it does unite the Democrat Party in terms of at least giving us a united front and helping us win some elections on election night as we were going through the races and as we were seeing people win and lose. It was so refreshing to see the candidates that he had staunchly supported and put out their falter. Yes. And that's just a testament to where people 
are right now. Again, I have no words for the senator election here in Georgia. I can't believe that was as close as what it was. But we were talking about this actually at Thanksgiving, and I was talking with my family. And it kind of goes back to in Alabama, we had a Democrat that served a Senate term there, but he was defeated by the Auburn head football coach that decided to run and later became the senator there. All you have to do is put somebody famous, especially here in the South, if they're associated with football, that's all it takes on the conservative side. And it's sad that somebody would pick that over somebody like Senator Warnock, who is well-educated, compassionate, and actually gives a darn, you know? Mm -hmm. It baffles me. So I could go on and on about that, but I'll stop there. That's a whole nother podcast, right? (laughs) Right, right. We'll invite you back to talk about that. (laughs) So other than messaging, what needs to change in the Democratic Party in order for us to start winning more elections and resonating with suburban and especially rural voters? What else do we need to do on the ground in Georgia? in your estimation? Well, I definitely think we have to continue focusing on moving through and getting the cream of the crop of the up-and-coming candidates. We have some good Democrats that are in office, but they're starting to age out. And I think this applies nationwide. I think we're really grooming that next generation of progressives. And if you think about where the progressive party is now versus where it was in, say, the Clinton years and in the 90s, there's a lot of things that's changed, but a lot of things are very much the same. But we're dealing with a very different voter now than we did in the 90s. Mm -hmm. These millennials are moving up in age. We have the Gen Zs that are moving up in age, and they're the next voters. They think differently. They make decisions differently. Things impact them differently. And I think we really have to start getting that messaging right also for those particular voters. You know, Bernie Sanders, it was interesting at how he was able to reach out to such a young electorate. Mm -hmm with his messaging. But, you know, he was talking about things that matter to them. And one of those things being college tuition. And he went a long way with that. And I think we really have to get on point with that and and resonating with the younger voters. There's been no doubt that we've had success, especially Stacey Abrams and her efforts getting people signed up to vote and getting the young vote out. We just have to really continue that fight in getting those people out there to the polls, because there's a lot of up-and-coming voters that are going to be ready to vote in 2024. Yes. And on that note, if someone wants to listen to America One Radio, if they want to learn more about you, more about your station, see your fantastic lineup, where would you send them? They can always visit us on the website. That's just www.americaoneradio.com. And that's all one word, America One. America One Radio. Yes. Yes. One word, O-N-E, not the numeral one. Okay. Yeah, you are correct. We also have uh, apps on the uh, Apple App Store and at Google Play. Those apps can be downloaded and you can get a direct link to the station. You can also click a link there to go to our website and find out a little bit more about us and our program lineup. We are also on social media and our social media on Facebook and Instagram is just America One Radio. We're pretty active on there. Sometimes we post mindless memes and things on there, but it's mainly to get our attention and drive people to the station. So we would love for people to be interactive with us there. So definitely go there and follow us or like us. And uh, we'd love to see you on our social media apps as well. And I would urge all of our listeners <laughs> to check your station out because we are definitely lacking in progressive talk radio. There's so much conservative talk radio out there. 
Yes. It's just refreshing to have you here to help us along. So thank you for that. And finally, Jeremy, and I ask all my guests this question and you know what's coming, right? Because you've obviously listened to our podcast. Yes, I do. Tell us a fun fact about yourself, something not necessarily related to your radio station, your work, your activism. Tell us something fun just about you. I am an avid hiker. Looking at me, you probably say, well, you know, you've got a few extra pounds there to haul up a mountain, but no, not at all. (laughs) I do enjoy getting out and hiking. And I think to be able to be kind of at one with nature. And again, I know that could be a little bit cliche to say that, but to just get out of the city and get up into the North Georgia mountains, or we're so close to Tennessee and North Carolina as well. It's just wonderful. And sometimes I'll drive up on a Sunday morning and just do a long hike and pack a lunch and then head back and can still be home in time to get ready for work on Monday. But it's so refreshing. And that's probably one of my fun facts. I guess the second fun fact is that I have really made it a point to get to as many of our national parks as I can. Good for you. Yeah. And I've probably been to about eight of them now. There's still several more to go, but I'm just slowly ticking them off. And that kind of ties in with my passion for hiking, but you really discover a lot that you didn't know when you get out there and kind of get one with nature. Oh, terrific. I would have to completely agree. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for joining us today and sharing more about your critical work to advance democratic goals and progressive policy. Thank you for that. I'm Meryl Clark, and on behalf of our team, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the North Georgia Blue podcast. To learn more about us and the work that we're doing, visit us online at Fannin countygeorgiademocrats.com, all spelled out. Share the North Georgia Blue podcast with your friends and family, and be sure to subscribe and follow. And if you enjoy our podcast, be a founding patron and friend of the show at northgeorgiabluepodcast.com slash patron with three different giving levels to choose from, offering cool swag, recognition on the show and website, and valuable gift cards to help us continue getting into more good trouble. 